Well, praise the Lord. This is Pastor Jerry once again coming to you in your living room or wherever you're watching or listening. Praise God. Again, we're always honored and, and privileged to be able to bring the Word of God to you um, wherever you're at. So it's just an honor that you're connecting with us and uh, uh, just hooking up with us. We're just appreciative of that. I uh, want to give a, a, a call out there to all of our uh, locals here. Where, uh, it was good to see everybody on uh, our Sunday service. We did an outdoor service, a drive-up kind of thing, and and uh, we had a good time with that, and that was uh, good to see everybody then. Again, for the next uh, Sunday service, we'll keep everybody posted on what's going on. Of course, this is all for, for our locals, but um, anyway, we just want to uh, let you know, just uh, stay connected, uh, keep watching, keep listening, praise God, and hopefully you stay blessed. Praise the Lord. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. We're again doing a midweek service, and we're going to start with our opening verse, uh, just kind of like what I've been doing pretty much most of this year, uh, on my time anyway, with you with the word, uh, with the word on the midweek services, and First uh, Corinthians ten, and I'm going to read verse eleven. It says this: Now all these things happened to them. Now, of course, in context, talking about the children of Israel, all the things that they experienced, and it says it happened to them as examples, and they were written for our admonition or our instruction or our teaching upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Now, uh, what I've been doing, I've been instructed by the Lord to do anyway, is uh, minister about our patriarchs of faith, uh, to glean some of the good, the bad, and the ugly, um, you know, things that we can learn for our instruction, for our, our admonition, um, for our teaching, amen. So there's definitely good things and, and then some other things not so good. Of course, in context, in this verse, it's dealing with some things that weren't so good, uh, talking about the children of Israel, why they ended up wandering in a wilderness uh, as long as they did. And so there are things that we can glean and learn, the good and the bad, you know, good, bad, and ugly, praise God. Today we're going to talk about a man named Joseph. And, um, you know, pretty much from week to week, I'm just kind of going what I feel in my heart as the Lord leads. I'm not really saying that any, anybody's got a higher priority or they're in some kind of an order. It really ain't. It's just kind of however it comes to me. So we're going to go uh, back to Hebrews 11, because that's my last time with you on the midweek. I wasn't coming out of Hebrews 11. I believe we talked about Moses the last time. And I'm going to actually back up a verse from where we started the last time, and I'm going to start in verse 22 of Hebrews 11. And it says this, that by faith, Joseph when he was dying, made mention of the departure of the children of Israel and gave instructions concerning his bones. All right, let's read it again. By faith, in other words, uh, you know, by his confidence and his assurance and reliance or dependence upon God here, by faith, Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the departure of the children of Israel and gave instructions concerning his bones. Now, you know, it's quite a verse when you stop and you, and you look at it. You know, a verse about a man, you know, is mentioned about his faith concerning what happened after he was dead, after he died and passed, you know, about his bones. Well, I'm hopefully I can give some, uh, shed some light on that. You know, a lot of stuff with Joseph, there's a lot of things that Joseph did that was phenomenal, you know, um, you know, when he dealt with betrayal and lies and the manipulation and the opposition uh, that he faced and yet became, you know, this, this mighty patriarch of faith, you know. Uh, there were, you know, there might have been about 20 other things I could have probably mentioned before 
talking about his bones, you know. But when you start understanding what they're talking about here in Scripture, it starts making sense. And then you know why Joseph was willing to go the distance, so to speak, amen, uh, to see God, uh, you know, do glorious things, you know, with his life, amen, and through his life, amen. So hopefully that's going to shed some light on you today, or shed some light on this today. So, so let's, uh, I'm going to do this. Um, the Amplified of this verse says this, actuated by faith, in other words, or activated or actuated, something done, or this all happened by faith, right? Uh, by faith, Joseph, when nearing the end of his life, referred to the promise of God for the departure of the Israelites out of Egypt and gave instruction concerning the burial of his own bones. Now, I, I, I purposed in my heart today to kind of take my time and show you this, and I, hopefully it's going gonna, it's gonna to bless you. All right, so it said, by the promise of God, okay? It was the promise of God. Well, the promise of God to who? Well, the promise of God to Abraham, okay? Now, let me show you that verse at Genesis 50. We're going to be back and forth here a little bit out of Genesis. Um, but actually, what I'm going to do first, I'm going to show you what this whole thing with, with uh, Joshua first, and then I'll show you the, the promise to Abraham, all right? So this is what we're talking about out of Exodus, pardon me, out of Genesis 50 and uh, verses 24. So it's just the last few verses out of Genesis. It says, And Joseph said to his brethren, I am dying, but God will surely visit you and bring you out of this land to the land of which he swore, here we go, to Abraham, okay, which was his great-grandfather, okay, to Isaac, which who was his grandfather, to, and to Jacob, who was his father, okay? Then Joseph took an oath from the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones from here. So Joseph died, being 110 years old, and they embalmed him, and uh, he was put into a coffin in Egypt. Now remember, you know, the whole thing had happened. He's in the household of Jacob, um, just real condensed here, but uh, he you know, gets betrayed by his brothers, thrown into a pit, and later sold to the Midianites, okay, as a slave. Brought, he's brought into Egypt. They sell him to Potiphar. Then the whole situation happened with, uh, at Potiphar's house, and then the betrayal by his, uh, the lies by uh, Potiphar's wife. He goes into prison, okay, the whole situation that happened there. He's in prison, everything that, that, that transpires in there. Then he, due to uh, some circumstances, ends up uh, before Pharaoh. He interprets a dream, and as a result of it, he becomes literally the most influential man on the planet at that time. Okay, He's underneath Pharaoh, but yet calling all the, sh all the shots in Pharaoh's household, Pharaoh's nation. So literally, he becomes the most influential man on the planet that time, like a lot of little cliches, you know, he went from, from the prison to the palace, you know what I mean? So there's a lot of things that happen, but, but here we're kind of just taken up right off the bat from where, you know, here he is dying, and he makes a declaration, okay, about his bones, okay? Now, we know in Exodus, okay, in chapter 13, we see it actually being transpired. So what he had asked of them, that when, when we leave this land, I want my bones to go with you. So 
Amen. Moses, verse 19 of Exodus 13, Exodus 13 and 19, and Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, uh, for he had placed the children of Israel under solemn oath, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones from here with you. So, obviously, you know, it says, you know, back in Hebrews that by faith, this all happened on behalf of Joseph. Okay, well, what was he basing his faith on? Okay, so you got to go back into Genesis further, into chapter 15 of Genesis. And now we're into his great-grandfather's life and his Abraham, okay? And in context of chapter 15, Abraham is entering into literally a blood covenant with God Almighty. Uh, the animals that, uh, that are involved for this ritual, okay, they're taken and they're cut in half, laid out, and there's just basically blood everywhere, but they call it the blood walk, that the, each, each animal is laid in half and laid out, and Abraham uh, basically experiences watching God walk through the halves, okay? In other words, entered into the blood covenant with Abraham. Okay, in other words, all that I have is yours. All that you need is with me. I'm your source. I'm your answer. I'm your all in all. We'll keep that in mind, okay? But he makes a statement to Abraham in the midst of this, okay? It's, it's a statement. It's really a promise, okay? And he says this, and he said to Abraham in verse 13 of Genesis 15, okay? He said, no, certainly that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs and will serve them and they will afflict them 400 years. What a statement. See, what a statement to make. Here we are, you know, entering into the blood covenant and all the things that could be said, and yet what God is doing is, is prophesying, letting it be known what's going to happen. Okay, now that is the statement that got passed on, okay, about other things too, not just that. Also, everything about the blessing, which we're going to talk about here in a minute. But this statement was passed on to Isaac, which got passed on to Jacob, which got passed on to, Do to Joseph, okay? So Joseph knew what was proclaimed and declared to Abraham. So when he ended up going into a land which was not his own, you can imagine what came up in his thoughts. This thing that God had spoke in previous generations, amen, about his people going into a land that was not his own. And then they were going to be afflicted for 400 years, which if you recall, it ended up being exactly 430 years according to Scripture, all right? And here, Abra, uh, pardon me, uh, when, he, when Joseph was passing, he made the declaration, listen, I know it's going to happen, okay? But when we leave here, when we leave Egypt, take my bones with you, all right? And he made them, really made them make a promise to him. And so by faith, isn't that amazing? By faith, he believed that the children of Israel were going to take his bones with them 400 years later, all right? So that's why this thing's so significant, all right? Now, 
you think, okay, okay, what, why is that so then significant to this whole thing about, you know, his life and everything? Well, see, it isn't just the fact that he's, they're coming into a land that is not their own and they're going to be afflicted 400 years. It's all the other stuff that was declared and proclaimed with it. Why did a man named Joseph stand through the test of all the stuff that he went through, okay? How did he stand firm when his brothers betrayed him? Okay, when the situation happened at Potiphar's house and the situation in the prison, okay? How did he, what was it that, that caused him to make a stand and stay with it and not back down? Now, most people would say, well, it was the dream, which we're going to talk about here in a minute. But I don't think that's really what it was, and I'll explain that to you here in a minute. I believe, okay, it was that very thing that was mentioned in Hebrews, the fact that he knew when this thing was going down, that's what came up, and he realized this was something God had prophesied to his great-grandfather Abraham, and thus knowing that if that's coming to true, so will everything else that he told Abraham, amen, and Isaac and Jacob. Everything that's been passed down from generation to generation. And one of those things was the promises. The promises of the blessing. Amen. Many other promises too, but not only was it there the promise of something was going to happen in time about uh, them as far as going into Egypt, but also the blessing. All right, And that's why we see all the great things that happened in Joseph's life, amen, that even though he was sold into slavery, everywhere that man went, whether it was at Potiphar's uh, place, whether it was in the prison, everything was blessed and prospered when he was around. Every, he always walked in the favor of God. You know why? Because he had faith in the promise of the blessing. He not only had faith in the promise, or I could say in the, in the prediction, or we could say the prophecy of what was going to happen to God's people in Egypt, but also in the blessing that was proclaimed to his grand, great-grandfather, Abraham. All right? So let's look at some, some of this a little bit about the, about the promise. And so uh, the Scripture tells us in 2 Corinthians 1 and verse 20 that all the promises of God in him are yes and in him amen. Now, why is that important? Well, Joseph had faith in the promises that were spoke to his great-grandfather. Great, yeah, great-great-grandfather. Is that right? Grandfather, I, anyway, to Abraham, okay? So what was spoke to his great-grandfather was passed on and experienced by his grandfather, which were passed on and experienced by his father, which was passed on and experienced in his own life. And so here he is now going into a land of Egypt, all right, but holding on to promises, okay? And of course, one of those was the blessing, all right? So let's look at something. We'll go to, back to Hebrews. We'll come back to Genesis here in a minute. We're going to go to Hebrews again, chapter 10. The challenge here today is not to get way ahead of myself, is to just kind of let this thing unfold. So Hebrews chapter 10, we were in 11, but now we're going to back up to 10 here. 
And uh, I think just for sake of time, I think I'm just going to read verse 36. And it says this, for you have need of endurance, okay, or uh, that word endurance uh, is hupomone, is the Greek word. It means literally a cheerful endurance, patient continuance, or constancy, okay. He says that if you, you have need of endurance so that after you have done the will of God, that word uh, poel is the word to have done. In other words, to walk this out, abide in it, commit to it, continue to execute it, uh, to not be moved, but rather to stick to it. So he said, you have need of endurance so that after you have done the will of God. In other words, you stayed with it. These are all keys concerning receiving our promise. Or I could say this, if you're going to have faith in the promises of God, these are little keys that you're going to have to walk in, which were keys that Joseph walked in, okay? See, he believed in the promises that were spoke to his great-grandfather, his grandfather, and his father. He believed in them. These things were passed on, and even though, now hear me, saints, even though it was not spoke directly to him, He still believed it as if it was spoke directly to him by God. And that is a key when it comes time to the promises of God. See, we stand on promises in this word. All of the promises of God in him are yes and in him amen. But until you will receive them as a word spoken directly to you, it's just words on a page. It may even sound cool. It may even preach cool. But until you see it as words spoken directly to you, you may never even walk in them. You may never even experience them. See, Joseph experienced multiple promises because he not only believed that it was spoke to his great-grandfather, grandfather and father, he took it as a word spoken directly to him. And that's why he walked in the favor and the blessing of God constantly. All right? So by, it says here, verse 36 again, for you have need of endurance. Staying with it. Amen. Stick to it. Amen. Praise God. For after you have done the will of God, it said you may, here we go, receive or obtain or to uh, literally means, literally means to carry off. In other words, you, you seize it and you take it with you. All right? So it says that you have need of endurance, amen, and that you got to stay with it. And then once you've done it, praise God, you'll receive the promise. The message translation in this verse, in verse 36, it says you need to stick it out, staying with God's plan, so you'll be there for the promised completion. Okay, you always notice that the promise is always being discussed. The promises, okay. Okay, Joseph believed in the promise. Okay, we got to believe in the promise. We got to put faith in the promise. All right, whatever it is you're standing on, if you're believing God for healing, you got to put faith in the promise. That means part of that means you're going to have to stay with it. You're going to have to accept it and be constant and continuous. You got to be patient through this thing. Amen. Knowing that if God said it, so be it. Amen. Let's look at another verse. We'll back up a couple verses or chapters here. 
chapter 6, please. These are some common verses, but we're talking about the promise, uh, you know, the promises that have been uh, made to you and me as, as children of God. Uh, Hebrews 6, verse 11 and 12, we're just going to read this. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence. That just uh, means uh, earnestness or eagerness. It uses words like being dedicated or dogged, even tenacious or uh, stick-to-itiveness. Okay, it might be a word that could be put in here, all right? You're being diligent to the full assurance, and that just means entire confidence, of hope, which means expectation or anticipation, okay? All right, so let's read it again. We desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end. In other words, you're staying with it. If you want the promises of God to manifest, then you got to stay with it until the end. The word end is telos, okay? Okay, telos, where we might get our word telescope, telephone. These are all goes from one to another. One place, see another place. One place to another place, okay? To the end, all right? The word means to a definite point, conclusion, or result or desire uh, the desired result, I should say. So the uh, result or the desired result. There we go. All right, so uh, let's read it again. So we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end. Here we go. That you, verse 12, do not become sluggish. Okay, uh, some cross-reference might say um, lazy, uh, but it literally means to avoid pain. Okay, in other words, when the pressure's on, Okay, that you do not become sluggish. In other words, you're not backing up because the pressure's on. But imitate those, here we go, through faith and patience inherit the promises. So faith being, again, uh, the word pistis, believe, persuaded, conviction, reliance, dependence, assurance, confidence, trust. These are all synonyms to that word. We've spent a many, a, many a service on talking about faith, you know. And patience, okay? The word patience, okay, uses uh, the same uh, Greek word here is used many times as in endurance or pers perseverance, continuance, but it means to be constant, to stay with it. Remember now, this is the key. St how did Joseph put up with all that he put up with? There ain't many people that would have put up with what that man put up with. All right? The, the betrayal alone by his brothers. Who would, have, who would have made it through that? Well, somebody that has a promise that they can stick to. How could he, how could he uh, you know, do all that he did in Potiphar's house and then just to be lied about by the man's wife when he was gonna, when he did everything right and made a decision, I'm gonna, I'm gonna walk in the fear of the Lord and not violate my walk. And yet he was lied about and thrown in prison, but yet this man stood consistent. You don't think that didn't hurt? You don't think that there wasn't uh, the, the, uh, the option of quitting? Absolutely was there. But what did he have that, that caused him to stay with it? It was a promise. It was a promise, all right? The word promise in itself means an expressed assurance on which expectation is to be based. 
something that's been expressed, whether it's been spoken or something seen, okay, which that's what happened. He saw some things too, right? So some things spoken, some things seen, but it's an expressed assurance on which expectation is to be based. Well, that's exactly what he did. For everything from, from his walk all the way up to the end of his life when he had faith, amen. See, his expectation was the children of Israel are going to take my bones into the promised land, amen. And obviously it happened, amen. <laughs> Praise God. So the word patience again, so faith and patience. Like I said, I'm kind of getting, getting preachy here and get, get ahead of myself. Okay, so the word patience, endurance, perseverance, continuance, constancy, amen. A lot of times uh, when you hear the word patience, uh, of course, we've done many a sermon on this, uh, but the world uh, defines patience as tolerant understanding or uh, bearing of annoyance without complaint is one of the definitions of patience. And the world's Okay, like a worldly dictionary, a world, uh, world dictionary kind of a deal. So, and we're not talking about a Bible word here. We're talking about how, how the world, uh, you know, the college dictionaries, how they define this word. Okay. They also use the word complaint or, uh, pardon me, uh, pardon me, uh, read that again. Bearing of annoyance without complaint or suppressed restlessness. You believe that's how they define patience. In other words, Basically, sometimes patience is looked at as uh, settling for seconds best. Okay, it, it wasn't what we wanted, but we're going to be patient, and we're just going to put up with whatever it is because someday, you know, maybe something, will, you know, down the road. What? That's not what it's. Patience is about being constant. The word patience in the Bible is referred to being constant, continuance. You don't waver. You don't back up. So when it says through faith and patience they inherit the promises, then we know, praise God, that it's through uh, confidence and assurance and reliance and then staying consistent with your assurance, reliance, and uh, confidence, praise God. You stay with it, okay? It's not a one-time thing, hallelujah, but it's a continual thing. That's what it means. So we know that that's what happened for Joseph, as the boy stayed consistent, even in the midst of everything that went went bad, went south on him. Okay, all right. Let's. I want to look at another word here. Um, let's go. Um, well, I tell you what. Let me do this. Let's define what the word constant means. Constant is defined as holding firm to the same principles or co- course of action. Viscosity is a word, which I had to look it up, but it just means stick to which is something we've been talking about, all right? It refers to perse- uh, persevering resolution, an unshaken determination, certainty of mind, steadfast purpose. These are all, the reason I'm reading all this is because these are what we saw in Joseph's life. So obviously, Joseph, through his faith and patience or his consistency, he inherited that promise. And see, we're supposed to, according to this, we're, we're to, we're to uh, um, imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. So these are just things we learn from them, all right? All right, uh, Galatians 6 was a verse I wanted to bring at. Galatians 6, and I'm just going to throw this in there. Uh, of course, he's dealing with some other things, here, but I just this is a, a good verse. Verse 9, it says, Let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season... We shall reap if we do not lose heart. 
Okay, so now this is kind of showing you from coming at it from the other side. Okay, if you want to receive whatever it is you're believing for, then you're not going to be able to, uh, you know, grow faint. Okay, the word here, weary. Um, I mean, Galatians six nine. It just means to uh, to be faint in heart or to be disheartened. And then when it says uh, lest we lose heart, okay, which uh, these are both come out of the same root word, but it just means a relaxed grip. In other words, you're you know, one time you're hanging on to something, now you're not. Okay, it means to be discouraged also. Okay, now I'm just saying, see, that's what could have happened to Joseph. And be honest, that's what happens to a lot of believers, okay, depending on the pressure they're under. And again, we're not making light of things. You know, all this stuff that goes on, you know, we don't like. We, we're, not a, we're not appreciative of some things that go on. People do things. There's persecution. There's pressure of all kinds, financial pressures, pressures against the church, pressures against your life, pressures against your health. All these things that go on, and you have promises throughout this word that attach to all of these things. Now, you can either have faith in the promise, or you can do what this, you know, you know what this verse tells you not to do. You could, you could grow weary, lose heart, or you can purpose in your heart, I refuse to get disheartened, I refuse to get discouraged, I refuse to lose heart no matter what I'm dealing with. Now, the reason, another reason why I want to read this verse is this, um, when it says, for in due season you shall reap. See, that's the thing about a promise. You may not see a promise manifest instantaneous. Now, we love it when they do. We all love the, you know, immediately verses, you know. But not every promise is necessarily going to be immediate. But, it will manifest. And this says in due season. Now, I thought that's kind of cool because I just thought I'd throw this out here because it does relate so much to Joseph's life. The word here, uh, due season, this word season is kairos, okay? All right, so uh, uh, kairos, okay, which means uh, an occasion or opportunity, but it refers to a decisive time or definite time Hallelujah. In other words, a moment that literally we're, life as you know it will be different. So what we're trying to bring out is that like Joseph, you and me, we're to put faith in the promises. And even though maybe certain things transpire or happen that looks like the total opposite of what was promised, know this, that if you keep constant, Stay with it. Amen. Endure. Hallelujah. Through faith and patience. Amen. You'll inherit that promise. It will manifest. And when it does, life as you know it will be different, praise God. And that is exactly what happened to Joseph. That's exactly what happened to Joseph. Amen. He stayed with it. Hallelujah. Now, with all that said, okay, a lot was said here so far, all right? Let's go now to Genesis, and let's take a look at some areas uh, in Joseph's life, all right? So we're going to go to Genesis chapter 37, Genesis 37, and this is basically where um, Joseph comes into the picture, 
<clears throat> Appreciate letting me be, uh, uh, let me kind of unfold this a little bit. Because I believe as we kind of now we start looking at some things in his life, some of this starts making sense now. And it makes sense why they mention what they mention there in Hebrews 11 about him. Amen. You know, like I said earlier, you know, I, when I first read that, I always kind of thought, you know, why, you know, I could have probably come up with a dozen other things easy that I would have mentioned about Joseph's faith, you know, about the things he went through and yet he stood the test, you know. But they mention about the bones, you know, and it's because it's all about the promise. All right. The promises that were made and why we see this man succeed is because of the promises that were made. Amen. So we see here in chapter 37 of Genesis, verse 1, it says, Now Jacob dwelt in the land where his father uh, was a stranger in the land of Canaan. This is the history of Jacob. Joseph being, here we go, 17 years old. Now, there's always a reason why it mentions the age, okay? Now, I want you to know he's 17 years old in this verse, okay? And we're going to get a few chapters down the road here, all right? And this man, like as I said earlier, is going to be the most influential man on the planet. You know what? In 13 years. He was 30 years old when that happened. So in 13 years from this point, Okay, he's going from just a, a teenager, amen, and 13 years from now, he's going to be the most influential man on the planet. Wow. So he was 17 years old, and he feeding, uh, was feeding the flock with his brothers, and the lad uh, was with the sons of, of Bilal, of the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives, and Joseph brought a bad report to them, uh, uh, to his father, uh, or of them. In other words, so he's tattling on his brothers, all right? Now, Israel loved Joseph more than all, all his children because he was the son of his old age. Also, he made him a tunic of many colors. And when his brothers saw that their father loved him more uh, than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. <laughs> well, you would, you'd almost, you know, think about it, okay? And, you know. Uh, talk about, you know, some, uh, uh, you know, problem uh, parenting here. I think there's some issues here, Dad. All right. But, okay, he loved Joseph. All right. And the, the rest of the brothers knew it. All right. And Joseph, okay, at this time, you know, he's a 17-year-old. All right. And he's ratting on his brothers about every little thing they do. All right. And uh, so you can imagine how the brothers are thinking. You know, it ain't, it ain't good. All right. But here we go. Verse 5. Now, Joseph had a dream. And he told it to his brothers, and they hated him even, even more. <laughs> okay, all right. And so he said to them, please hear this dream, which I have dreamed, all right? And uh, so he's, uh, you know, having a, uh, you know, uh, this dream, and he's now going to share it. There, there, were, uh, there we were, binding sheaves in the field. Then behold, uh, my sheaf arose and, and also stood upright, and indeed your sheaf all stood all around and bowed down to mine, my sheaf, Okay. And his brother said to him, Shall you indeed reign over us, or shall you indeed have dominion over us? Uh, so they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. And, of course, he goes on saying he had another dream. And then, of course, he comes and shared that. Now, you think they're just, they're just some, you know, uh, you know, just this ain't good, you know, really, to be honest. Okay, now the dreams are all accurate. 
But the way it's all going down, I don't, you know, this ain't, this ain't going good. So you can, you can just see why the brothers really didn't like him. All right? It's, it's kind of understandable. All right? Now, I'm not saying we're uh, condoning it. We're just saying that it's understandable because of, of how uh, dad is, is uh, you know, uh, basically, what it even says, he loved Joseph more than the rest of them. And they saw it in the gifts, in all the favor and everything. Uh, they, they saw that dad loved this boy more than the rest of them. So it made him mad, okay? Now he's having dreams, and in the dreams, he's telling them, listen, you're all going to bow to me, all right? He has another dream, and this basically is real similar to the first one. Okay, so now let's pick up after this. The boys all now all head out in the field to, to take care of the flocks, and, and uh, we're going to pick it up with, uh, well, I think verse 19, okay, because uh, what's happening is they're out in the fields, taking care of the flocks. Dad now has sent Joseph out to go check on what's going on out there. So he's heading out to where they're at. And it said, and they said, so the brothers here, verse 19, said to one another, look, this dreamer is coming. Come, therefore, and let us now kill him and cast him into some pit. And we shall say that some wild beast has devoured him. And we shall see what will become of his dreams. Okay. So obviously the dreams was a huge deal. It kind of put him over the top to the point that now they're thinking about killing him. That's pretty serious. Okay, this ain't no lightweight, um, you know, just, you know, just being a little bit upset or angry here. We're talking about some serious business when they're thinking about killing him. Okay, now we all know the story. Um, you know, they, okay, through one, you know, one of their brothers is, you know, kind of talks him into, let's not kill him, let's, you know, remember, he's still flesh of our flesh. Uh, you know, he's still our father's son, okay? So they, they kind of manipulate a plan. They throw him in a pit. And then when some, uh, you know, Midianites coming through, a band of Midianites coming through, heading toward Egypt, they sold him uh, basically uh, into slavery, okay? And that's how it all starts as far as now his, uh, um, his uh, journey to Egypt, okay? Now... What I want to bring out is the dream real quick, okay? How many know the dream was true? It was accurate. Um, now, the reason I want to do this, okay, I'm kind of choosing my words wisely here. Um, you know, for years, I always saw it was the dream that kept Joseph um, moving forward. And, and don't get me wrong, now a dream, um, a dream really could be um, just a picture of something that's to come to pass. So there could be a promise in the dream, which this one absolutely was a picture, okay, of what was to come. Now, of course, at that time, he had no idea really the, the depth of that. He's just this kind of young, uh, inexperienced, immature teenager that, you know, just telling him, this is what I saw, you know, you're all going to bow to me and blah, 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 blah. And, and so they're looking at this kid, you know, the one that always rats on him and, and tattles on him, you know, and, 
and dad loves them more, loves him more, and they, dad always gives them stuff that he never gives us, and he just makes us go out and work, then sends him out to spy on us, and all this kind of stuff, and they're thinking, we're done with this, okay? But how many know that that dream came to pass? Okay, that dream, from the time that he had it, came to pass 20 years later. 20 years later, okay, now let's do the math, 13 years from this point, he is the most influential man on the planet, so he's, he's now the right-hand man of Pharaoh, okay, and through the, the dream of Pharaoh, there are seven years of plenty and seven years of famine, well, it's after the, the years of plenty, okay, the boys back home, okay, are now experiencing the famine now. So, you know, Jacob now sends the boys into Egypt to try to get some supplies to take care of the family through this time of famine. And that's when he gets they get met up again with Joseph. Now, they didn't know it was Joseph, but Joseph knew it was, was him. Now, the reason I'm, I'm taking a little bit extra time on that is the Scripture says uh, in uh, Genesis 45 and 7, um, let's see here. Let me, let me make sure that's the right verse. I think I put 45. back up. No, I want to actually give you a different verse on this. I want to give you a verse, Genesis 42. There it is. Genesis 42 and 9. I thought that was wrong. All right. Genesis 42 and 9 says, then when Joseph saw his brothers, and I know I'm bouncing around on this, but I, I gotta, you got to see it wasn't really the dream that kept Joseph going. It was faith in the promise of God to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, that which was passed on, the blessing, okay? The things that were spoke to his forefathers is what he held to, all right? So the word says this in Genesis 42 and 9, that this is now when he recognizes his brothers have come into Egypt looking for supplies. It says, then Joseph remembered the dreams which he had dreamed about them, because he's seeing it come to pass. He's seeing his brothers now bowing down to him because he's the most influential man on the planet at this time. And nothing happens in Egypt unless it happens through him. And now he's looking, and there's these, these guys that come from another land, and they're all coming, and they're bowing to him because they're letting it be known we're, we're here to uh, to, to try to, uh, you know, we want to make it. We want to live, so we're here for supplies uh, from, from your land to take back to our father and, and our, our tribe, our, our uh, you know, kinfolk and everything. So he's now recognizing this. He saw this in a dream or dreams, actually. There's more than one, okay? Now, um, if you get later on, now into chapter 45 and verse 7, this is what, uh, what he said now, once the brothers are all made known and they realize this is Joseph, okay, you know, and they feel now they realize what they, you know, and it was, 
They're feeling pretty bad because, you know, they figured he was probably dead by now, and here he is now who he is, and they're like thinking, you know, we're toast, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and God, what we did to him. But he said this, he said, God sent me before you to preserve uh, a posterity, which means a remnant, all right, a remnant for you in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So God, he realizes that, that even though all this mess had happened, God had a plan for him, all right? If you go even later into chapter, or chapter 50, and this, again, is just, and I know I'm bouncing around, but I'm just trying to lay this thing out here that later on, you know, Jacob now is passing. Of course, this is after all moved out there to Egypt, and now Jacob is passing on, or has passed on, I should say. So now the brothers again come to Joseph because they're pretty sure that now that dad's gone, he's probably going to really do us some harm. He, you know, he's going he's to get even with us for, uh, for what, we had, uh, what we had done to him, and which was the total, total op- opposite, right? And we see the verses in chapter 50, verse 19 and 20. It says, And Joseph said to them, Do not be afraid, for, for am I uh, in the place of God? But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. Now, he's not talking about the thing that bad that happened to him, but he's talking about the dream. Now, listen. But God meant it, or in other words, the dream for good, in order to bring it, in other words, the dream about, right? For it is this day, or it, yeah, it is this day uh, to save many people alive, all right? Now, the point I'm trying to make is, you know, way back when, that dream, he had no clue, all right? In fact, if, if I might be as bold to say that maybe, you know, and, and, and maybe I'm taking a little liberty here, but maybe the dream might have seemed more like a curse, you know, than a blessing. Because it was the dreams, see, that, that made his brothers, you know, go over the edge, so to speak, and look to kill him. And then he ends up just getting sold into slavery, which then sends him to Egypt, which then he goes, that whole thing all happens, the betrayal, the lies, all of it really just got, got the, the fuse got lit by the dreams. So it could be that to him, the dream is not what kept him moving forward. He could have saw that dream as nothing but a curse. I wish I would have never shared that dumb thing. Now, again, I know I'm taking some liberties, but I think you got to look at this. See, it wasn't the dream that kept him going. It was all the other things that God said to his forefathers that kept him going. Now, you got to take note of this because all these things, even though those promises were not spoke directly to Joseph, it was spoke to Abraham. You know, like the blessing, for instance, Um, Genesis 12. Genesis 12. And this is when Abraham, okay, was called out of where he was at. It says, now the Lord, this is chapter 12, verse 1, 2, and 3. We'll just read that. Now the Lord said to Abram, get out of your country and from your family and, your, uh, and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. Talking about the promised land. And I will make you a great nation. All right. 
and I will bless you, all right, and make your name great, all right? I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing, and I will bless those who bless you and curse him who curses you, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And you say, well, why are you reading that? Because I believe that's one of the things, all right, that Joseph was standing on. We know that the blessing, okay, which is an empowerment, we see it also defined in a sense in, in, in uh, the Scriptures. In, in Deuteronomy 28, you kind of see uh, the blessing and the curse kind of being defined in there. The first, you know, basically uh, 13, 14, 15 verses of chapter 28 of Deuteronomy kind of defines that. Bless coming in, bless going out, bless in the city, bless in the country, you know, bless in your home and your fields. You know, it goes on and on talking about being blessed and what that means to be empowered or blessed by God. So it speaks of promotion. It speaks of um, uh, prosperity. Uh, you know, all of this is, is something that was spoke to Abraham, which was then confirmed and things spoke to Isaac, Abraham's son, which was then confirmed and spoke to, to Jacob. We see, we see the blessing being discussed in Abraham's life, discussed in Isaac's life, discussed in Jacob's life, okay? See, all of that gets passed on. Now, Joseph, okay, that even though has just experienced some betrayal, everywhere this guy goes, the Word says, Oh, well, in fact, let's read it. So now let's go to Genesis. Let's see here. Let's go to chapter. Let's see here. Chapter 39. Let's go there. We'll skip up a little bit here. We'll go to chapter 30, chapter 39 of Genesis. I hope, hope you're getting something out of this. I know I'm kind of all over here a little bit, but I'm doing this on purpose because... I feel like sometimes we just read through and we just assume certain things and then we miss it. We miss the point. You know, if, if, if you read, you know, out of Hebrews that Joseph is, you know, you know declared as a, a patriarch of faith because of the faith that he extended his confidence, reliance, and dependence on God, his trust in God. And then they mention something like, you know, that his bones, you know, are going to be taken out of the land of Egypt into the promised land. And, you know, you think of, okay, why is that mentioned? Because it was a promise. It was something declared to Abraham that he grabbed hold of. And I believe that when he was literally in that, that, um, that band of, of Midianites, when he was sold to the Midianites, and here he is, you know, being held as a prisoner, as a slave now, with a group of uh, slave runners, you know, those that, 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 that took in and, and, and bought and taken lives, and then brought into Egypt to be sold into slavery. I believe that is one of those things that came to mind when here he is, you know, in a wagon or whatever, or being towed behind a wagon, all, you know, 
you know, rope, roped up or whatever, however they did it. He's thinking about what was said to his great-grandfather that got passed on to his grandfather, that got passed on to his father, that got spoke to him. All these stories and things that were said about someday we're going to end up in a land that is not our own. And we're going to be their uh, servants for 400 years. He, he's, all this is coming to mind. He's thinking, this is going to happen. This is happening right now. This is happening right now. And so the same man that picked up on that knows this, that in 400 years, these people are going to come out of the land because the same God that said that this was going to happen also said how it was going to end. So that's why he could say, you know what? I already know if God spoke it, that's the way it is. All right, we're heading. This is what's happening. And I also know one day these people are going to come out of here. So what else was spoke to Abraham? Well, that starts making you think now. And so Joseph's thinking, you know what? I'm blessed. Regardless of what goes on, regardless of who's with me, who's against me, regardless of the betrayal of my brothers, regardless of the lies spoken of Potiphar's wife, regardless of being uh, overlooked and forgotten in the prison for a season and all the stuff that happened there, regardless of all this, I'm the blessed. And that is why everything the boy got involved in and touched, it, we saw the blessing of God on it. And we see it here in, in chapter one, uh, chapter 39, verse 1. Now Joseph had uh, been taken down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him from the Ishmaelites, okay, who had, uh, who had taken him down there, all right? And uh, goes on, the Lord uh, was with Joseph, and he was, here we go, the Lord was with Joseph, and what? He was a successful man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. Now, just for whatever it's worth, you know, we're at this point right here, we're only one decade away from, from him being the right-hand man of the Pharaoh. This, now we're only 10 years away. Now, hang on to that. And his master saw that the Lord was with him. Why was the Lord with him? Was it just because he, he was Joseph? Was it just because uh, he was the son of Jacob? who was the son of Isaac, who was the son of, of Abraham? Well, I'll tell you what, did, did, everybody, did anybody say that about any of the other brothers? Nobody else said that about the other brothers, but they're saying that about him. Why do you think they're saying that about Joseph? Because I believe, listen, he was a man of faith, that he not only put faith in the promise that was spoke to Abraham about one day what was going to happen. He put faith in all the other things that God said to him. And one of those things was the blessing. And I believe he attached his faith to that. And he said that no matter what's going to happen, I walk in the blessing. I am blessed to be a blessing. And everywhere he went, God was with him. All right? So Joseph found favor in the sight or in his sight, Potiphar's sight, that is what I'm talking about. I'm in verse 4 here. Or actually, let me, let me read verse 3 again. And his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all he did to prosper, here we go, in his hand. In other words, the blessing 
was in manifestation. Now, verse 4. So Joseph found favor in his sight and served him, and he made him overseer of his house. We're talking about a slave who is now over the house of Potiphar, who is a guard, a captain of the guard, an Egyptian, who is an officer of Pharaoh himself. And now Joseph, as a slave, is now in charge of his household, all right, made him overseer of all that and all that he had put under his authority. So it was from that time that he had made him overseer of his house and all that he had that the Lord, here we go, blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. Why? Because he's under the blessing. And the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and in the field. All right. Thus, he, he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he did, did not know what he had except for the bread. In other words, Potiphar did not know except for the bread which he ate. Now, Joseph was, was handsome in form and appearance. And, of course, here we go now. What happened? Then the wife took a liking to him, you know, because he's a good-looking fellow, right? And now she's, she's making passes at him. And, of course, he didn't go there. But as a result of it, she lies, and now he's, you know, thrown in prison. So let's, let's now let's take a look at chapter 40. Let's see if we can fly through some of this real quick. All right. Uh, okay, so now this is after he'd been lied about. Um, so the wife lies to Potiphar about Joseph. Joseph now has, uh, is put in, in prison. And let's go to verse, actually, I'm, I'm going to say the same chapter. So chapter 39, verse 19. And so it was when his master heard the words which were, his wife spoke to him, saying, Your servant did to me after this manner, uh, that his anger was aroused. And then Joseph's uh, master took him and put him into prison, a place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he was there in the prison. But the Lord, here we go, was with Joseph and showed him mercy, and he gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison, and the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all that the prisoners uh, who were in the prison, whatever they did there, it was his doing. The keeper of the prison did not look into anything that was under Joseph's authority because the Lord was with him, and whatever he did, the Lord made to prosper. Why did he prosper? Because he still had faith in the blessing. Whew. Wow. All right, chapter 40, verse 1. And it came to pass... After these things, that the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt offended their lord, uh, the king of Egypt. In other words, they, messed, they got Pharaoh upset here. And Pharaoh was angry with his two officers, the chief butler and the chief baker. So he put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard in the prison. All right. Now, of course, he's talking about Potiphar. All right. So Potiphar, the prison, Potiphar had a connection there in the prison. So he's probably the one that was over a lot of this because he was over all the guards. Okay. And the place where Joseph was confined. And the captain of the guard charged Joseph with them, and he served them. So they were in custody for a while. Then the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt, who were confined in the prison, had a dream, both of them, each man's dream in one night, and each man's dream with its own interpretation. Okay, so now they're having dreams, okay, and then they come to Joseph, and Joseph, of course, interprets the dreams. And for one, it was great, and for one, it wasn't, right? Is that right? So in other words, the, the butler, um, it was good for him, but for the baker, it wasn't. All right, and uh, we're going to kind of skip down here, verse 14 of that same chapter. But remember when me, and of course this is after he gives the interpretations, okay? He says, remember me uh, when it is well with you, and please show kindness to me. Make mention of me to Pharaoh and get me out of this house. In other words, I'm in here for the wrong reasons. I'm not supposed to be in here, but I'm in here, all right? But I just want to bring to your attention, 
okay, that everywhere the man goes, he still walks in the blessing. Well, because he had faith in the blessing. Hmm. All right. You kind of break it down here. I know I'm kind of jumping around here a little bit, but of course, you know, uh, for the butler, he ends up, uh, you know, because he had done wrong, he ends up, uh, you know, losing his life, but the butler gets restored. But it said here, the uh, verse 23 of that same chapter, chapter 40, it says that yet the chief butler did not remember Joseph, but he forgot him. Now, just those are just things to remember. And at this particular time, now he's, only, he's literally only two years away. He's 24 months away from being the most influential man on the planet. But up to this point, he's experienced betrayal from his brothers, been lied about about Potiphar's wife. You know, here he is, forgotten about. You know, in other words, he got overlooked. You know, even though he did this guy a great favor, the guy forgot all about him, just kind of went on. And the whole time, though, okay, all this stuff that was done wrong to him, but even in the midst of all that, he's still walking in the blessing. He's still walking in the favor of God. Why? Because this man put faith in him. And this whole thing, I'm, the, the whole reason of this whole thing about Joseph's life, I'm trying to show you, is that the man had faith in what God had spoke to his great-grandfather. Even though some of these things were not spoken directly to him, but he received it as though it was spoke directly to him. Now, I'm saying all that because, you know, you're reading the Word of God, and we've got, you know, what do they say? They say there's anywhere from seven to 10,000 promises in the Word. And that, it, and that, those promises attach to every, every, every part, every facet of our life. Healing, health, restoration, safety, protection, things with your family, things with your kids, things with your marriage, okay? We can go on and on and on of all the promises that are in the Word. And you know what? None of those, none of those really, in a sense, you know, when you're reading here, wasn't necessarily, necessarily spoke directly to you, but it was spoke to them. Now, you know, as you kind of move forward in God, you know, there might be things God has spoke directly to you and maybe even confirmed these in here, these promises in here to you. But regardless of whether you've heard a voice from God, you've got a witness from God, you, you can stand on this because it was spoken. And if, if God said it, so be it. It's a promise. And that's why this man Joseph was so, was a phenomenal man. He believed the promises. To the point that even one day on his deathbed, he makes a declaration. One day you're all going to leave this place. And you think about when he said it. He said it in a time when really there wasn't. See, when Joseph was alive, he was a big thing, man. Him and his family were a big, big deal in Egypt. But as the years progressed, pretty soon the Egyptians got tired of these Israelites. Well, Joseph, at the time of his death, he didn't, he didn't experience any of that. He just experienced the favor and the blessing that he had from Pharaoh and everybody else around Egypt that, that loved for what Joseph had done for them. He's 110 years old at that time, and he's getting ready to pass on, but he remembers what the promise. He remembers what God had said to Abraham. One day, this people are going to become a servant to, the, to this people, these other people, the Egyptians, of course, who he's talking about. And he said, but after 400 years, they're going to be delivered to a promised land, a land to which I've promised to them. 
So he says, you know what? When that happens, take my bones. I don't want to leave my bones in Egypt. I want my bones to go with, with God's people to the, to the promised land. And, of course, Moses made sure that happened, praise God, which was hundreds of years later. And I'm just showing you that that kind of faith in something like that, that even when he's dead and gone, 400 years later, and you think, well, no wonder this boy, you know, I say a, bo I say a boy, you know, he goes into Egypt at basically around age 17, it says, you know, and then by the time he's 30, so them 13 years, all that he experienced, what made that man stand firm and not turn his back on God because he put faith in the things and the promises that God had spoke to his grandfather, or, or, yeah, his, his great-grandfather, his grandfather, and his father. I just think that's phenomenal. To me, I think it's, it's, it's cool, all right? Let's see. Do we want to read any more of this? Um, of course, we all know what happens. Uh, verse, chapter 41, verse 1, we're going to wrap this up here. Then it came to pass at the end of, of two full years. In other words, he's still in the prison for another two years, even though he helped the butler, but the butler forgot about it. It said that Pharaoh had a dream, right? And then it goes and explains his dream. And, of course, uh, you know, you get in a little bit further down this, down this chapter in verse 9, the chief butler then, ah, he has an epiphany, right? He, he remembers, he remembers, okay, this guy in the prison that defined my dream and defined, uh, you know, the, 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 the baker's dream, and, and he, was, he was right on. And, and so the Pharaoh then calls for uh, verse 14 of that same chapter. Now listen, I, I know I've kind of been bringing this up, but, you know, as you kind of look at this, remember uh, we used Galatians 6, you know, uh, don't grow weary while doing good for you shall uh, you reap. You know, in due season you shall reap if you don't lose heart. In other words, you're going to come to your kairos moment. You're going to come to that defining moment if you just don't lose heart. Don't give up. Put your faith in the promises. And you'll come to your moment. And at this time, he's just moments away of being declared. I mean, he pulled out of a prison. And just moments away of being declared the most influential man on the planet. Which, because of that, goes on to not only save that people, but to save his own people. Praise God. Now, let's go ahead and read it. Verse 14, Then Pharaoh sent and, and called Joseph, and they brought him quickly out of the dungeon, and, he, and they shaved him and changed his clothes, and, and he came, to, you know, to clean him up, right? Because I'm sure he, he needed to be cleaned up. And, uh, you know, Pharaoh said, listen, I had a dream. I need an interpretation. And Joseph said, listen, it's not, it's not me that does it, but it's God in me that does it, right? And so what happens? He tells the dream. Joseph defines the dream and kind of gives him a game plan of how you can turn this thing around, all right? The seven good years and then the seven bad years, right? The seven years of plenty, the seven years of famine. And, of course, after that, you get down to, like, verse 37 now, and it says, So the advice was good in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of all his servants. And Pharaoh said to his servants, Can we find such a one as this, uh, as this right, a man in whom is the Spirit? Look at this. It's still on him. The Spirit of God's on him, right? Amen. Now, listen, I'm, again, I'm going to say this. Please hear this. Okay, it's not, it didn't say that really about the other brothers, Right? Right, you know, uh, you know, didn't say that about the other brothers. They were the 
They were sons of Jacob, who was a son of Isaac, who was son of Abraham. So, I mean, you can't just say just because he was in that family, because not everybody carried that same thing. But this man, there was something different about him. What was it? It was faith in the promises. It was faith in the blessing. He believed what God had told his great-grandfather and confirmed it with his grandfather and confirmed it with his father and thus been confirming it to him because he's seeing it. That even though people are trying to oppose him, lie about him, manipulate, overlooked him, it didn't matter. And at this particular moment, none of it mattered. You think about the 13 years, literally, of some of the, the ups and downs that he went through. But now is this Kairos moment, so to speak. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, verse 39, Inasmuch as God has shown you all this, there is no one as discerning and wise as you, and you shall be over my house. Now he's in charge of everything over Pharaoh's house, right? And all my people shall be uh, ruled according to your word. Only in regard to the throne will I be greater than you. And he, and he, said, that, he said to Joseph, See, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. All right, took a signet ring, put it on his hand, amen, clothed him in garments, fine linen, put a gold chain around his neck. Man, this boy's getting tricked out, amen. And he said to him, uh, you know, uh, had, him, had, a, had him ride uh, uh, the second chariot. In other words, this, we're talking about, man, the, it's, it's uh, you, know, uh, you know, it's the Rolls Royce, you know. You got, you got your own Rolls Royce, amen. Hallelujah. And, uh, you know, uh, and basically, as everywhere he goes, people are going to be before him and going to say, bow the knee. So not only, not only is he going to be tricked out, riding and uh, looking good and riding in something good, praise God. He's also got people out front, man, just telling everybody else, man, uh, you, know, you know, just show some reverence, show some reverence, you know. So they're all bowing the knee. We're talking about a guy. Uh, this was all declared to him just basically probably an hour earlier Okay, he's getting cleaned up because he's a, he's a little bit of a mess because he's been in a prison. But what did, how did all this happen? Promises. That's why you don't lose heart. That's why you don't give up. You might just be minutes away from your breakthrough. Don't give up. Don't quit. Amen. And just like this man had faith and things that were spoken to his great-grandfather, you put some faith in these promises that were spoke to your patriarchs of faith. And that's why we look at their lives and we learn from them. And this man goes on to be the most influential man, literally, because he's just basically, other than the throne itself, he's in charge of everything. And that's, that's what makes him the most influential man. Of course, he not only uh, blesses uh, the Egyptians, he blesses his own people. And so we have uh, a great patriarch of faith named Joseph who became, who is, I should say, a glorious example of what a man of faith could be. I hope you, I hope you got something here today. Hallelujah. Father, we give praise and glory. Thank you so much for your word. Thank you for these principles. Thank you for the life of Joseph and all that we could learn and glean from him. I thank you, Lord God, for all of this and I'm just grateful that everybody here today had an ear to hear and a heart to receive and that the eyes of our understanding were enlightened. May we all be a people that put faith in the promises. That we know that according to your word, all the promises of God, hallelujah, are yes and amen. Hallelujah. And so we give you the praise and the glory for it in the name of Jesus.
Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this message. We'd like to take this opportunity to encourage those listening from anywhere in Central Oregon to join us Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. and Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. for our regular services. We understand that many do not have a home church, and we can't emphasize enough the importance of connecting with a church family. We'd be honored to meet you and spend time with you praising God.